from some far-flung corner of the globe. Wait. The globe is a sphere. How does it have a corner? Shut up. This is the Opportunistic Travelers Podcast. Now with even more Shivo and a few of their traveling friends. Each of them sharing stories of everyday experiences of travels around the world. Hello, vicarious travelers, and welcome once again to Brisbane, Australia. My name is Evo Terra, and along with my lovely wife, Sheila D, I thank you for following along with our travels around the world. Coming up on the program today, crazy train rides in Vietnam and surviving motor scooter accidents in Bali. But before we get started, Australia has a lot of nicknames. One of those nicknames is obviously the land down under. Everyone knows that. It's also known as the lucky land for some reason. I'm not really sure why, but it's called that. Um, It is also called Oz, clearly uh, the land of plenty for those of you who've listened to Minute Work songs. Um, yeah, so it has lots of nicknames, and I propose a new nickname. We, we've been here now for, what, five weeks, honey? About five weeks? Five weeks in Australia, and if we have seen one thing over and over again that proves what this land should be called, it is this. The new nickname of Australia is the Land of the Side Boob. We have seen a crazy amount of side boob in Australia. Not, not that I'm complaining understand not that I'm complaining but there seems to be a significant amount of that now maybe some of it is because we were up in a beach country for about three weeks and you see lots of girls wearing bikinis okay clearly you're going to see side boob there but that's it's, it's, it's a bit more than that it seems that everywhere we go out at night during the day there's someone wearing something that's a little loose and side boobage coming out not exactly sure why not exactly sure this is a complaint as much as it is an observation that this place is land of side boob. Now, again, part of that could also be that we have spent four prior months in Southeast Asia where everybody is covered up from head to toe, either afraid of showing skin for embarrassment reasons or because they'll be sunburned all over the place. And, of course, that's less so down here. It's very much a beachy-style culture. It's just been something that I have noticed, and it's one of those things that I typically would notice because I'm I'm that kind of guy. Sorry about that. But enough about that because it is time to start the seventh episode of the second season of the Opportunistic Travelers Podcast. It was a lot of work. Do you remember that? Yeah, it was a crazy amount of work because we wanted to take the train. Right. And and booking the train, well, the, the whole idea, to uh-huh. kind of lay it out for people, is we had a two-week hole in our schedule. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to hit Vietnam. And someone, a teacher we had met when we were in Thailand, said, you know what you should do? You should take the train. Mm-hmm. We said, awesome. We dig trains. We dig trains a lot. 
trains through Europe were fantastic. Yes, we'll take the train, right? And just taking the train to Vietnam is interesting because it's not just one big long train ride. The idea behind it was, if I remember properly, was that we would start out at the north of Vietnam and go south on what they call the North-South Reunification Line, which goes from Hanoi all the way down to Ho Chi Minh City, some thousand kilometers or so. Or so. I think it's about that level, right? We were gonna, we were gonna take the train all the way down there, but the cool part was we were going to get off at various cities right. along the way and, and explore, spend two weeks in Vietnam, not stuck in one big city, but actually go from the two big cities, Hanoi to Ho Chi Minh City, with three other stops in between. Exactly. That was what we had planned. And, and we were staying like a couple nights in, in almost every city, so we were getting a pretty nice overview of what Vietnam was like throughout the country. Yep, plan was to, to leave leave Hanoi, go to Hue. Yep. Which first place, which is pronounced Hue. Hue. You have to say it that way. It looks, looks like, like Hue. <laughs> but it's not Hue, it's Hue, as in Bun Bo Hue. And, and Hue had uh, like so much history there. No, it's with, the original capital of right. what is Vietnam now. I mean, that was the imperial history back when, back uh, the imperial capital and back it, in the day. And it's kind of a little small town. Like it was, it was yeah, walkable. Not, yeah, not a lot going on in Hue. Not yeah, a lot going on but it was there. kind of a cool little Big, spot. Big, walled, beautiful city. Right. So we were going to stop in Hue, spend two days in Hue. I mean, overnight train from Hanoi, yes. which is great. But the overnight trains because that means no hotel room. So right. You travel cheap like we do. You look at that. As a, a, a train ticket and comes with a hotel night, basically. Right. Yeah, simple enough to do that one, right. So so we were booking this, so we went Hanoi, Hue, and then Da Nang, and right. then... So how, let's do the trip from, from oh. Hue to Da Nang. Now that wasn't an overnight trip, that was a day trip. Right, it was like two hours to get there. Two hours down the road and to get to Da Nang. gorgeous. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. Um, it's right along the coast, right? And um, so you, you really got to see um, the ocean and the the cliffside, and the seats were comfortable. And yeah, well, the seat because we didn't get a sleeper car like right. we had. We didn't need to. To Huey, the overnighter. This was just a regular seat, so we had mm -hmm. nice cushiony seats looking out. Everything was great, except I want to find the uh, smart person who decided to put the power lines between the railroad tracks and the ocean, when the other side would have been an awesome place to put them, but no, let's screw up the view <laughs> from the train when you're going on this beautiful, fantastic highway. <sighs> anyway. Right, so Da Nang, and plus we love Da Nang. Da Nang was a great city. Da Nang was beautiful. And then we did an overnight from Da Nang to Nha Trang. Nha Trang, yes. Nha Trang. And we just did one night in Nha Trang, I right, think. right, 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 right. And, um, and that was that was a good amount. I, right. I, it it wasn't was one of our favorite. Nope. Nope. Um, and then we went overnight to Ho Chi Minh City. Right. And At the bottom of the stop. Love right. Mm -hmm. And we stayed a couple of nights there. Now booking all of those. Back to the problem at hand. Right. Why was it a challenge for you to get that book? Sounds easy thus far. Right. So I could have done it the easy way and had somebody else book it for me, an agent. And and I decided not to do that, that I was going to do it myself because it saved money. 
saved a lot of money. If it did, serves. yeah, it like yeah. It's like amount. almost half, I think. Yeah, I think we got about 50% by yeah. booking it ourselves. It used to be a travel agent, right. so surely you can book a couple of train tickets. How hard can that be? Ugh. It was a pain. Um, each segment has to be booked individually. You don't get immediate confirmation. It takes sometimes within 24 hours before you get confirmation back that you actually got what you booked. So each of these little individual sections, I, you have to make sure your, your dates are right, the cabins you want are right, all of these little pieces. And our final leg, because we had to get back up to Hanoi because we'd flown in and out of Hanoi. Right, right. So we decided we were gonna be romantic. We decided first you were gonna make it easy on yourself because after spending an entire day booking all those individual tours. It did take me all day. You realize that if you just were to book from Ho Chi Minh City straight through to Hanoi, well that's only booking once as opposed to booking five more. True, true. I'd forgotten about that. So that, plus the romance factor of yes. being on a train sounded like Fabulous. a great idea when we booked it months <laughs> previously. However, reality of 33 hours on a plane, on a train. Not just 33 hours on a train. We knew this was going to be a bad idea. <laughs> as soon as we got on the train from Hanoi to Hue. I... That first ride in, as fine as it was, we knew immediately we were not on a European <laughs> bullet comfy train. I, I think I realized it even before then, baby. We were on a rickety metal train that had maybe some plywood to make a <laughs> sort of cabin area and the bunks that came right out of a prison that you shared with other people. And that's what you were in. Air conditioning kinda worked if you were right next to the air conditioner itself, but there, we were not. There are no private cabins. You either share with, there are either four or six in a cabin. And I'm using the term cabin, I don't, car. Well, no, not, not a, car. a car, it's yeah, a cabin, it's, it's I guess. It's definitely, it's a berth. It's a, berth, a berth, yeah. Yes. And, um, and so we were good. I was good in that I got us the lower bunk every time. Lower bunk's great because you're not crawling up bunks, which is the bonus With there. your and luggage. Your luggage. Needs yeah. to go up on the top bunk with you. Not fun. No. Um, and everybody was really nice on the train, though. Wouldn't you say? They were, they were very nice. Yeah. They were very but nice. In many cases, we were the only ones that spoke, well, any native English speakers. And so at least twice on the train, the people that worked on the train took full advantage of that. <laughs> and we did a little impromptu uh, English correction section. I, I don't see. No, it's not English correction. It's... They came through and wrote words on their hand and said, how do you pronounce this? Those are English lessons, babe. Lessons. Corrections. Lessons, same thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that you should teach. <laughs> Perhaps not. So, yeah, it was good though. It was good. I mean, it was fun. It was fun. It was a long time on the train with no Wi-Fi. Oh man, 33 hours on that rickety train was not a joyful thing. Not to mention the fact that my phone died as we got on it. That's when the iPhone decided to 
It died when we were in Ho Chi Minh. So even though I had a data plan on my local SIM card, couldn't use it. Right. Because the card wouldn't work. So I read a lot, I edited a lot of video, and slept. I, I finished an entire book. I started it when we got on and finished it before we got in. Wow, wow. So we're headed back to Vietnam. Yes, we are. We're flying into... I don't know yet. Probably Da Nang to spend probably. time there. But we'll need probably to get to Ho Chi Minh City or Hanoi. Are we taking the train? I don't know, maybe. Were you high? <laughs> Did you not just listen to this segment? God, woman. You know what's really interesting about it is that it was the first time I ever felt a pull to stay. Like I've always had this, this instinct to go and to uh -huh. explore and to just leave. And yeah. leaving always felt great. And oh man, I remember living for Istanbul for the first time and it was just, I broke down into tears. Just yeah. sitting on the bed just being like, oh my god, I can't, I don't, I don't want to go. I get to go to Istanbul right now. I'm not even paying for the trip. It's an amazing opportunity. Right. I don't want to go. And I was like, what is that feeling? As a parent, I completely understand Nathaniel's reluctance to leave his little one when the travel bug hits. The same thing happens to me, even though my baby is now 24 years old. I'm Nathaniel Boyle, and I have the Daily Travel Podcast. Earlier this year, we spent an afternoon with Nathaniel, his lovely wife Shannon, and their super cute daughter on a boat in the Mediterranean. Nathaniel is loaded with travel stories which is not unusual for a fellow travel podcaster. Like this story from Bali, where Nathaniel shares his unusual secret travel survival skill that literally becomes a travel survival story. Here's the secret to, to travel. If you know how to play the guitar, or even if you don't, just have a guitar. Because this unlocks culture. So I'm in Bali and I'm staying at this, uh, this resort in Ahmed, which is, well, I will, I will praise Bali forever. If you think it's over-touristed, go to Ahmed. Okay. Stay there. It's this little sleepy fishing village. There's some resorts. It's very comfortable, but uh, it's quiet. And so I would sit outside my resort with, with this guitar that I bought in Wellington, New Zealand. And um, I just, I would sit there and I'd play. And the people that were working at the resort would come up and they would, you know, they'd kind of check it out or they'd be like, hey, can I play? Because they didn't have guitars just sitting around, but they knew how to play. Right. And so we sort of like passed it back and forth. And can you play this song? Can you play this song? And we'd have a lot of fun. They kept inviting me to do things, like just friendly things. And maybe I would help pay for certain things, or maybe yeah. they were just looking for work. But more often than not, it was just like they wanted to be nice to me because I had a guitar, they let me play it, they wanted to return the favor. They, at one point, invited me to this lunch thing, and I drove on this guy's moped to uh, this pavilion. And underneath the pavilion, we kind of pulled up, there were maybe a uh, hundred Balinese men. More, maybe more than that, in a big circle under this huge pavilion, and it was a lunch break, clearly, but it was very festive. And I don't know, maybe this is a common thing in Bali that happens all the time, it probably is, but to me, I've never seen anything like it, and I haven't seen anything since, and I can't find anything online about this thing, so I have no idea what was happening. It's the lunchroom, or lunchtime ritual. Yes, everyone's sitting in a circle, they, one guy, or maybe two guys, have wood blocks, okay, okay. which they're hitting quarter notes on, and they're all singing these, these sort of Balinese ch chants or something. Or I'm not really sure still what's going on or what happened. I don't know what happened. All I know is that there was a lot of finger food being passed around, very interesting food, and they were drinking um, 
palm wine, which is made from coconut palms. Mm -hmm. And uh, this stuff is strong, okay? So everyone's basically in the circle. Someone stands up with a cup of, of wine uh -huh. and you, you drink it and then you dance in the circle and oh. then you pass the cup off and then it gets filled and that person stands up and dances and then passes wow. it and it's just done throughout the whole thing. I am the only non-Balinese person there. <laughs> I am an Irish, Polish, American yeah. behemoth of a person compared to these people. Uh, of course, the cup comes to me eventually and I, me getting up, and I am at this point a little tipsy because of this, this and, and, uh, and completely, you know, alone pretty much. So I am up and I am dancing and I am loving it. I'm having the best time and I pass the cup on and it's this wonderful experience. And, and then uh, the guy put me on the back of his moped and, and drove me home. I went home and I, uh, I slept that off, like a nice nap at my little bungalow. And then I, uh, I hopped on uh, my moped later that night. I just kind of like went exploring on my moped because I was bored and I felt really comfortable knowing the people there. And um, I, I felt really well taken care of in Bali. I felt like the, ho the hospitality in Bali is a real thing. Anyways, I'm driving at night. It's dark, right? Like there's no street lights in Ahmed. There's, it's, there's no like uh, uh, infrastructure really. Uh, I'm driving along and there are these kids that have lit this fire on the side of the road. And I remember I remember, I was like looking at the fire because it's like the only thing to look at when it's dark and my headlights beaming ahead. And I look back at the road and there's a brick wall like 20 <laughs> feet in front of me. And I'm like, oh my God. And I hit, I grab the brake, right? I grab the, the left, whatever the rear tire brake is. And I'm like jamming on it. But my bike is not stopping. I'm going pretty fast. So I have to hit the other brake for the front right. tire, which sent me right over the handlebars. Right. Like I went flying Superman style over the handlebars. Uh, I can remember like the bike like flipping tumbling. over, tumbling, smashing, and hitting, thank God I had a helmet on with my face mask because I, I, my body like hit like that, that and my face with the mask just slap against the cement. Like, oh my God, it hurt. And all these like all the like the local Balinese villages or, or, or whatever came over the people <laughs> and, and were like like oh my god are you okay and they would all be like oh my god come with me come with me everyone was like come with me come with me come with me like <laughs> let me take care of you and I remember just slowly standing up and like examining myself and I felt really raw on my chest and on my stomach and yeah. my knees I looked down and they were just covered in blood and my arm was gashed open and I was just I remember just being like I am like scratched and very badly scraped but how badly hurt am I and how like in shock and afraid am I right. and and yet I was surrounded by a crowd of like care. 50 Balinese people that are all like come with me help me help me help me help me and then this little English kid came out came, came through the crowd and was like come with me and I was like I'm gonna go with you and he led me right around the wall that I just narrowly avoided for better or worse and into this resort that his mother owned and anyways she brought me out these gauze bandages and iodine and I cleaned my own wounds and I sat there sort of patching myself up right. because you know she didn't know me she didn't want to touch right. me but this kid I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding I'll never forget him he sat there the whole time next to me being like hey do you want to do yo-yo tricks hey listen to this joke I know hey let me tell you a story and he just the thing that was really interesting about this kid was that like I mean he looked cool like this yeah. kid was like eight maybe and he had like long hair and bracelets and he was like hip but he was so engaged with me and right. with like that he just he, he knew what he needed to do in order to help you, me yeah. in that moment of like complete panic and I don't know if any of this had to do with the palm wine or if it had to do with <laughs> the, um, the, the the fact that I was just going out at night kind of right. almost recklessly but yeah. that's kind of how I travel anyway Hi. anyways 
this kid, he, he was so engaged with the world that he knew exactly what to do with me. And I think it was, it really like, I'll, I'll always remember that kid because I, I don't know, just to be able to expose your children to the world in that way. Right. It's amazing, and now I'm working on that opportunity for my kids so that they can be worldly. It's just an amazing opportunity, and anyways, that, I'm okay, but I have scars on my knees. And that's the show. Looking for a cool gift that keeps on giving? consider giving the gift of virtual travel. Gifts under $10 are really hard to find, but our postcards from abroad fit the bill. Head to patreon.com slash optravelers or shivo.wtf slash postcards to sign up today. Or if you're a listener who hasn't signed up yet, drop a massive hint to your mother-in-law, boss, or secret Santa by sending them a link to patreon.com slash optravelers or shivo.wtf slash postcards. You'll be glad they did. Special thanks to Kevin McCod of Incompetech.com for all the music used in this episode. For Evo Terra, I'm Sheila D. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Opportunistic Travelers Podcast. See you next week from Brisbane. Funding for this podcast and all the great content Shivo produced is made possible by listeners just like you. Visit shivo.wtf slash postcards to pledge your support and get a handwritten postcard each month as they travel abroad. Additional funding provided by Travelsmith, inspiring people to go places they've never been and keeping Shivo looking smart and well outfitted on their journey. And if you want to travel the world, it's cheaper than you think. Visit shivo.wtf, how appropriate, for more details and click on the house sitting link to find out exactly how they afford to travel the world in style. See you next time on the Opportunistic Travelers Podcast.